all generations are getting more and more sophisticated about ad preferences and being advertised to, but especially millennials don't trust traditional ads. So it's not just that we don't want to do traditional advertising exclusively anymore. We're not going to get through to our consumer if we do so. Select CT. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Select CT podcast. I'm your host, David DeRoche. I'm the Director of Community Programming at Quinnipiac University. This podcast is a partnership between Quinnipiac and the University of Connecticut in partnership also with Digital Media Connecticut. So this specific episode is going to be about content marketing, which is something that I wasn't really aware of until I was told about what Colleen Sherry has done. So Colleen Sherry is the U.S. Digital Marketing Lead on beauty brands at Henkel. So Henkel is a company that makes consumer goods like got to be Dial, Purex, and other products. We're really excited to have Colleen on to talk to us about content marketing. So Colleen, thanks for joining us on Select CT. Happy to be here. Thank you. So why don't you just give us an overview of what exactly content marketing is? Just define that and you know tell us how you do it. Sure. So we know the consumer landscape has changed so much and is continually evolving. And as is the digital media landscape, consumers are getting more and more sophisticated. Um, viewers want content of value. So our shift to content marketing was um, an effort to meet that expectation and need. People don't want to just see an ad anymore. They want to see content that means something to them, that informs them, ent- entertains them or educates them, something they can interact with and consume. So that's the heart of content marketing is instead of just advertising out to someone with a product and a feature and a price, you bring content to the consumer that they're going to enjoy and they're going to be able to become involved with. And that can be aligned with your brand. Your brand doesn't have to be separate from that as an ad that interrupts what they're watching. It can be content that becomes what the consumer wants to watch. And that's the ultimate goal of content marketing. So just tell me a little bit more about what that actually means. So like the content is something that aligns with what the consumer wants. So you all at Henkel, you did something called turning the tables and tell me about that as a product or as a, as a, as a piece of content and how it in your eyes defines the product itself, but also is valuable on its own is also just a valuable piece of entertainment. Tell us about turning the tables. Sure. So for our got to be brand, which is a hair color and hair styling brand for the millennials and Gen Z generation primarily, we wanted to bring them a piece of entertainment that was aligned to the brand in such a way that the brand had a very authentic place in the story. So we developed a nine episode series of short form video. They were three to five minutes each, each episode. And The series told a story of a young female DJ who was developing her career, who discovered and wanted to develop her career in the world of EDM DJing. And through that, she developed uh, her own means of self-expression. And the Got To Be brand is all about self-expression, being whoever you want to be, whether you want pink hair or you want blue hair or you want to use our glued product for a unique hairstyle that requires extra hold, or um, putting forth your own personality via your hairstyles. It's all about self-expression. So we wanted to create a series, fictional scripted series, that told the story of someone trying to express themselves and find their own voice and their own look. So 
the goal of this program was to create this piece of content, which was the original scripted series that was entertaining, that was fun to watch, um, that that brought this extra element into somebody's feed or into their YouTube um, browsing that could keep them happy and entertained, but also showing them how the characters um, were able to utilize some of the brands to create that look that transformed um, their look and transformed uh, the way they express themselves. So this brings up some interesting points about how people perceive advertisements, right? So, you know, I remember growing up, you know, watching um, shows and movies and there was always the product placement, right? There'd be like, you know, the Doritos bag or the Pepsi can. And, you know, it was you know, kind of obvious that that's what was going on. And I think, you know, you and I discussed this before, which was that, you know, millennials tend to be very distrustful of traditional ads. Um, but I wonder if this being, you know, sort of a totally different approach where you say, you know, what, we're just going to make content rather than interrupt, you know, the, the, the show with advertisements. We're just going to make an actual piece of content that's valuable that we think is, you know, stands alone. But do you ever worry that if people figure out that that is also an advertisement, that they'll become even more uh, wary of ads or that will turn them off from your product? Is that something you think about or or something you concern yourself with? Yeah, I mean, it's something to be considered, but the approach we took um, was very upfront. Um, We did not try to hide this in any way. At the very beginning of the series was a huge logo. It said, Turning the Tables, an original series by Got to Be. Um, following that, there really wasn't much overt branding in the series, again, because we really did want this to be an authentic piece of entertainment, and we did not want it to be a glorified ad. So the products that were included in the storyline were very subtle and um, very intrinsic to the story. The products weren't just there to be there. The primary, primary way we showed our products in the series was when our protagonist Jay is getting ready for her big DJ debut and a fellow DJ gives her a makeover. She says, we have to do something about your wardrobe. We have to do something about your hair, girl. So she um, remakes Jay's look. She gives her boxer braids using um, some of our temporary hair color, our hair chalks, and use a product called Glorious, which gives you kind of a shimmer and a shine and color to your hair. And it was very in line with what someone with what a DJ performer would want to look like and would want to wear. And this makeover scene was very essential to the story. So again, I think the way you do it is important. Um, you let them know right up front that this is a series created by a brand, and then show how the products can um, enhance the storyline versus interrupt it. Again, it's all about that. Don't interrupt them. Um, become what they want to watch. And what was interesting was we were obviously monitoring all the comments on social media. And one comment on YouTube came right out and said, I'm not supposed to like ads on YouTube. Why do I like this so much? So they were recognizing, in effect, the series was somewhat of an ad, but they didn't care because they really enjoyed the content in the series. Um, So again, you know, it goes back to that that data that it, this is rooted in, that all generations um, are getting more and more sophisticated about ad preferences and being advertised to, but especially millennials um, don't trust traditional ads. 84% of millennials do not trust traditional ads, and um, a large percentage also install ad blockers. So that was something we were up against as well. 67% of millennials said they install ad blockers. Um, So it's not just that we don't want to do traditional advertising exclusively anymore. 
we're not going to get through to our consumer if we do so. And I have to say that, you know, and me personally was a little skeptical. I am, I don't know if I'm a, a millennial. I always forget I was born in 1980, so I'm on the cusp. But, you know, I personally also am skeptical of advertisements. And so, you know, this idea of content marketing initially, when I thought about it, I was like, oh man, really? Like, this is another like thing that they're trying to do. But I think to your point, um, if it serves the story, because people use brands all the time, like we use products every day, right? And so essentially, when we're wearing that product, like if I'm if I'm wearing like a Levi's shirt, and it has the Levi's logo on it, I am essentially advertising Levi's for free. So we do this stuff in life anyway. So to your point, if the brand serves the story, it doesn't come off as an advertisement, it just comes off as people just doing a thing. Exactly. I mean, today's consumers can smell a sales pitch a mile away. Um, we know that 71% of them are turned off by salesy content. That's a quote from The Economist, a stat from The Economist. And 63% of consumers say they would think more positively of a brand if it gave them content that was more valuable, interesting, or relevant to them. So that is at the heart of what we were trying to do with content marketing um, and we found that our got to be brand was a good place to test this. This was Henkel's first ever foray into original scripted entertainment. And so how did you get there? How did you get to the point where you're like, okay, this is something we need to think about. And what was that process like at the corporate level, you know, going from idea to a thing that lives and breathes online? Well, got to be is one of the more experimental brands, both with the product innovations and with the advertising. And part of that is because we are trying to reach that younger generation. So we're always looking to push the envelope and try something new and test and learn. Um, this project came to us through a production company in Canada called Shaftesbury Productions. They had done a, an original series for another CPG company for Kimberly Clark. It was a series called Carmilla, and it was about a vampire. And it was on YouTube and had a, a very strong case study. They ended up going to four seasons, had an original um, uh, full-length feature film created off of this idea and concept after the um, scripted series had run on YouTube and became such a phenomenon that fandoms arose organically um, that were passionately committed to these characters, created their own content, user-generated content surrounding this campaign, and even got to the point where there was merchandise being created surrounding this series. This was obviously the best case scenario. It was presented to us as something that could be achieved. Um, it, it seemed very intriguing to us. And at the time, the production company had this story about the female DJ in development that seemed very well aligned to got to be because got to be is very rooted in the music festivals, um, has a presence at Governor's Ball, at Coachella, and it seemed to fit our, the goals of our campaign, the demographic of our campaign very well. It was kind of in an early development phase. We said, hey, let's, let's work together. Let's co-produce this and, um, and test it out for got to be. And how did you figure out whether or not this was successful? Like, is it, can you tie views to increase in sales or, or what sort of metrics were you using to say, okay, this was worthwhile. This is something we're going to continue doing, or this is something we're going to do with our other brands. Yes. We're very focused on measurement at Henkel and we always try to put studies in place to the greatest extent possible. So this was such a, a multifaceted campaign encompassing media, entertainment, um, PR, it had the series itself, the organic series on YouTube, the organic social media, paid social media, the show itself had its own channel. The producers were promoting it from an entertainment standpoint. So we measured it to the greatest extent possible. Um, one thing we found particularly value, valuable was a Google brand lift study. And that 
allows us to get a read on of the people who have seen this series, you know, how many of them um, have had a shift in their opinion in terms of purchase intent or brand affinity after watching the series. And we did see very positive lifts there. We obviously also watched the sales trends during the times that the media and the series was live and draw conclusions from that. Um, and then, of course, we always look at the media performance in terms of the individual elements, the number of PR impressions. And we also have a social listening tool that allows us to um, get a read on what people are, are saying about the show um, or the topic and the, the YouTube comments as well. So being on YouTube is great because you get immediate feedback right then and there of what people are thinking and saying about your show. And what were some things that people were saying that you either were concerned about or that you liked? Uh, there weren't too many things that we were concerned about. We got a lot of, oh my gosh, I love this. Give me more of this. Where's season two? I mentioned that comment before where, you know, hey, this is an ad. It's not supposed to work. Why is it working? Um, we got a lot of comments on the music. We were particularly fortunate with this program because we worked with an original composer. Um, her name was Steph Copeland, and she wrote original music for the series. And again, the series is called Turning the Tables, and it's on YouTube. Um, it's If you go to a channel called Union and Ace, you can find this series. It's also on Instagram TV. Search Got to Be USA on Instagram TV, IGTV, and you can see the series. Um, so the music was great. We had Steph Copeland um, writing original music for the score, and then we also had influencers that we worked with. They're pretty big on the um, EDM scene. We had um, Justin Caruso, who was sort of a prototype protege of Tiesto. And then we had a, an up and coming woman DJ named Wednesday, Wednesday with a Z. Um, and these influencers helped us promote the show. And um, they were very enthusiastic with it because, you know, they were very invested in this world of music and DJing and were excited that there was programming about what they loved so much. So I'm wondering, you know, one of the terms that gets thrown around a lot in digital media spheres is content. And you said user-generated content, which I'm guessing um, is stuff like YouTube comments and stuff like that. But how do you define content? Well, content is is very broad. And content can flow across so many channels. When we talk about content, what we're trying to do is create a content mission for each brand that becomes the pillar of your communication. So you develop a story or a persona for that brand um, that includes all of the elements that are really important to that brand, then start telling that story and develop that core of the story that's really going to make the emotional connection. Then think about how you're going to roll that content out to all the channels, whether it be social, whether it be YouTube, whether it be media, whether it be PR. Um, but it's important to start with that central central story and we feel like on turning the tables that's what we did we told this story about this woman trying to find her way find her own look um part of the story is she starts out as a a pianist she's studying classical music and this is something her parents have wanted her to do um for years and years to become a member of the symphony um yet through her friend she kind of discovers this underground world of of djing um and falls under the tutelage of the DJ who runs the club who wants to bring her under his wing and have her start producing music that's in his his sound. So she has her mom in one ear saying, you need to continue with your classical career. You have the DJ who owns the club on the other hand saying, no, you need to learn how to DJ in my sound. And she's like, no, wait, I want my own sound. I want to develop my own voice. And 
combine elements of my current musicianship with what I'm learning in terms of how to to DJ at the decks. And what emerges is something really wonderful. And that's the heart of the story, that self-expression I was talking about, that is very well aligned with the brand that we were able to tell via this story. So let's step outside of the, the specific work that you guys are doing. Let's talk more broadly about content marketing and in the industry itself. Do you find that this is something that brands are embracing? Is it still relatively new? Are there any things that are happening that um, are taking it to the next level? What can you tell me just about the, and, and generally, the uh, content marketing atmosphere, and specifically with Connecticut brands or Connecticut companies? Yes, I think more and more brands are getting involved in this. And it's interesting because it's not just on the brand side, it's also on the film production side. So the traditional model where big studios would fund productions of entertainment, that model shifting a little bit as well. And more and more, the funding is coming from the brand side. So as, these, as the demand for content increases across all of these streaming platforms, people cannot keep up with this demand for content. Consumers are binging on shows. They're running through content like never before, whereas you used to watch one episode a week. Now you're watching an entire series or multiple seasons within a matter of weeks. There's always this demand for new content. The studios can't keep up with it. These production companies are looking for funding from other sources. And the brands are stepping in and seeing this opportunity. So just the one production company we were working with alone was doing original series for, for Walmart. They were doing them, like I mentioned, for other CPG companies, for Airbnb. Um, all brands are getting more and more involved in this approach because it's a win-win. Um, the brands can very authentically present a story that's going to resonate with the consumer. And um, the production companies um, have another uh, way to approach the production funding process. So what about students who either high school students or college students who might be curious about this as a career? Because it seems like a, a way for creative students, students who might want to get into uh, feature film production in some sort of capacity could do it in this way, but they might not ever think about it, right? They might be only considering the traditional route. Maybe they are creative or maybe they're interested in advertising actually. And this is sort of a different way to get involved in advertising that's not necessarily traditional. What advice would you have for students who that's on their radar and getting them prepared to do this kind of work to actually be making content that is geared toward marketing and brand? What advice would you have for them? Yes, I would say that be aware of these opportunities at major companies as content producers. Again, I'll repeat, the voracious demand for content is currently not being met. Uh, content needs to pr be produced on a much larger scale than it ever was. And a lot of companies are bringing this in-house. Henkel has its own facility called the Content Factory. It's actually in our Dusseldorf, Germany headquarters that has been set up over the last couple of years just for that purpose. They have a full-time staff of content producers who are continually producing still shots, influencer content, video content to satisfy the needs of the brands globally. So in addition to going out to our outside agencies, uh, we are owning it in-house and becoming producers. So if you are studying advertising production, film production, digital design, social media, content production, you are going to be of very high value to companies and brands as this trend continues. I don't see it abating. I see it just continuing to grow. And it's very exciting. People have just traditionally thought of 
filmmaking, content production, you know, maybe you go to Hollywood, you go to work for some big production company. Yes, you can, you can approach it from that side, but you can also approach it from the corporate side and knowing in Connecticut, we have so many great companies and so many big brands that I predict are going to get into this space more and more. I think that's a real opportunity for students who are studying this, this type of um, career field. So I wonder, you know, not ha- having a lot of any experience really with production of feature films, but aware that it can be expensive, it can be costly to do these things. How did you, how did you guys manage the cost? How was that for you? Yeah. I mean, we were really fortunate with turning the tables, at least the first season in that it was, it was super efficient for us. Um, it was part of this was sometimes production companies will come to you and give you very efficient proposals and pricing sort of as a proof of concept. Like this is what we can do. Let us show you what we can do. Um, and your costs are going to be very efficient because of that when you first engage with them. And then it sort of grows from there. Um, but compared to, you know, going out and producing a, a traditional television commercial with one of our big agency partners, um, this compared quite favorably. We ended up getting 275 pieces of content for this program, the series itself, the secondary content, the social media content, et cetera, um, as compared to one television commercial um, for for a similar investment. Wow. How do you leverage the emerging platform. So, you know, now TikTok is a thing. There are so many different ways that uh, people are engaging with content. How do you sort of figure out, okay, these are the platforms that we're going to focus on. These are the platforms that we're going to, you know, get our content on to. How does that even work when it seems like those things are constantly changing? Yes. So that's part of being a creative marketer at a large brand or company as well is, staying in touch with all of those new opportunities, uh, attending seminars and conferences, listening to the field, um, listening to your agency who also keeps a pulse on what's happening, what emerging channels and platforms might be valuable to you. TikTok is a great example, got to be the same brand that produced Turning the Tables, the original series, um, was the first at Henkel North America to do a TikTok campaign for Got To Be. It was uh, hashtag Got To Be Styled. And it was a runaway success for us. We were absolutely thrilled with the results, um, both the, the sales correlation and the number of views. We got about 6 billion views of the hashtag challenge and related videos. And we just loved to see how active our, the users were and all the creative ways they came up with to participate in this challenge. Um, it's funny with TikTok because it starts out very branded and then people sort of go off on a tangent and, and do their own thing with it. One thing we really liked about this TikTok campaign was uh, we had an original song created that had got to be, got to be as the lyric. And it was a very catchy, fun song that people really love to use. And so even if they weren't using our product explicitly, they were still using our song and we still got that message out there through the lyric that really stuck in your head. So um, it's, it's really a fun thing. I think, um, part of modern marketing is to look for these new opportunities, maybe be first to market. Some of our brands are challenger brands when they go up against the bigger brands like L'Oreal. So we're always looking for ways that we can zig where they zag and look for these new emerging opportunities that we can get in on and test. Um, and you also have to be, you can't be afraid to test, you know, you want to get all your, your data and your, 
due diligence, do your research, but sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith and give it a try. And we always try to preserve um, a certain amount of budget to do that as well. A lot of things to think about for anyone interested in getting into content marketing. I want to thank Colleen Sherry. She's the U.S. Digital Marketing Lead on Beauty Brands at Henkel. Thanks for joining us on Select CT. On the next episode of Select CT, we'll be speaking with Tim Suarez from Blue Sky Studios. He's an animator there and he's been working on some films, so please tune in for that conversation. Select CT is a podcast production of Digital Media CT in partnership with Quinnipiac University, the University of Connecticut, and the Connecticut Office of Film, Television, and Digital Media. Our producer is Justin Matley. Matt Werwood is our executive producer. Our marketing coordinator is Marvin Lewis. I'm David Roche. Thanks for listening. Select CT. Select CT.